Hi everyone, and welcome back to Balkansis, the show that's going to help you navigate the massive challenges of life, motherhood, culture, identity, and belonging with more ease, acceptance, joy, and purpose. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every time to listen, learn, heal, and feel inspired. If you do love the podcast, then do me a huge favor and hit the subscribe button. It really does help spread the word. Hello, beautiful ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Balkan Sis. I know I say this every single time when I put out an episode that I'm so, so excited about um, today's guest. And it's because I am. <laughs> um, it doesn't take much for me to get excited. I get excited about the small things. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to all the other episodes, but um, I felt like today's conversation was really, really important um, to have, especially coming from the families that we come from and the culture that we come from, and relationships and boundaries and community and all of that is so important. And it's just about balancing the two. It's more about balancing the level of community that we have and togetherness as well as our self-care and our well-being and our mental health all at the same time so it can be quite tricky to manage those two and um, our our families and our culture and our people they require a lot from us um, a lot of output and I thought what better person to have on today um, except Luciana Luciana Franicevic, uh, she's amazing. You will also get to know at the beginning of our recording how her and I met, how we actually know each other. So without giving too much away, um, I hope that you enjoy the next two parts. I have separated them into two parts because, you know, us being European, we can talk for hours on end. So <laughs> it was quite a, um, a late recording for me on my behalf because of our time difference and her being in Europe. Um, so yeah, I would love for you to listen to both parts. Let me know what you think, like always. Uh, let me know any takeaways. I did also get some questions in my question box on Instagram where I had a few people ask a few questions, which was really great. So she did a bit of a Q&A at the end of the part two recording that we did together. So, uh, you know, give us a review as well. Connect with us on Instagram, um, just at Ivana Sturbats Alfonso. It's a long one, uh, but if you type in Balkansis in your search um, on Instagram, I will pop up. So definitely connect and say hello. I've had a lot of new listeners. I've also had a lot of new followers. So I want to welcome you and uh, welcome to this little community that I'm building. And, you know, if you can't find a community that you can belong to wherever you are, create your own, I say. Um, and that was the theme of today uh, as well. So I hope you really enjoy it. And without further ado, I'm not going to ramble on and give too much away. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, as ever, thank you for being here and thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode, guys. So, ciao. Okay. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. And I say that every time, literally. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> But today, anyway, welcome back, everybody, to Balkan Sis. Um, I know I'm really slow with my episodes, but I like to do things slow and steady. And 
I want to do things with clear intention. So, and I've been trying to hunt down this awesome woman for such a long time. <laughs> we finally made it to the open. I'm so, so like, I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. Like, I'm just like excited <laughs> and funny. So, today I've with the wonderful Luciana from Practical Psychology. Um, and she is a fellow Croatian, beautiful lady. And I've known Luciana since I was a young kid, pretty much since we. <laughs> Australia. So how long, how long has that been? I don't know. 20 years. Ah, yeah. Yep. Around this my life. Exactly. When I came to Australia, short story, I became very good friends with Luciana's sister. And then that's how the connection came about. And in the last few years, Luciana has moved back to Croatia from Australia. Um, she's done a 360 and yeah, she's continuing her, um, psychology practice, uh, via online. And since she popped up on my Instagram and my Facebook, I just saw it. I'm like, awesome. Like, I need to have her on here. So, A, this a person. And I also love um, anything that's to do with learning and growth and mindset and all these things. So, yeah, welcome. Thank you for being here and, yeah, making time for me. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you for actually inviting me. I'm so excited. I'm like, I've never done a better introduction because you've been a psychologist for such a long time. So, I'm like, oh, but that's it. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a whisper. People can, people can read about that if they want, but like, this is kind of the juicy part. It's like, you know, yeah. you popped up, you popped up for me as well. Like I said before, I was, I'm um, just learning the ropes and you were there going, oh, this is really cool. I'm like, oh, really? Okay, cool. Thanks. Oh, so, I really appreciate it. Always a little count for like good guests, you know, like people who have something to offer and people who have a message or a story to tell or they're in the line of work that aligns with, you know what I'm doing or what I'm seeking. So yeah, all about just growing and, and learning and unlearning and all those wonderful things. So and I thought it'd be there because most of the listeners are from all over the world and, you know, a lot of them have migrated back to their countries where they were born and a lot of them haven't, you know, a lot of them have stayed where they migrated too. So um, this, our culture is so wide and vast and people are just everywhere. Literally, when I, I said to you before, when I see where people are listening in from, it's insane. I like, know, right? There's people in America, Australia, England, all over, like just all over Europe, everywhere. This is South America even, you know, and like oh. there's people there as well, which I just love. Yeah. But yeah, today's topic, we're going to be, well, we're, you know, Europeans, so talk about everything. <laughs> Yeah, as we have the intro was like uh, I think an hour and a half or something, just like you covered everything. <laughs> so many years, so I just <laughs> just like talking about everything out, and which we're going to do this conversation anyway. But majority of your work centers around relationships and boundaries. Um, yes, you know what I love, what you love, and also what you know. It's a big buzzword at the moment, boundaries. So you know you're going to sort of go into depth today about what that's about. Um, you know, how do we create healthy boundaries? What is a healthy, like the what, when, when, how notion of it all? Because obviously yeah. culture impacts who we are and what we do and how we interact with others. So, and, <laughs> so, and you know, boundaries, hello. Have you ever tried to set a boundary with your, with your European parents? I mean, I feel like a lot of people are going to benefit from, you know, our chat today. And of course, like we'll both learn something new as well along the way. Yeah. Can you, yeah. without further ado, tell me a little bit about you, where you come from, where you were born, and tell us a little bit about your Balkan story. Ah, okay. So, ha, a curious, curious human, like you said you are, 
and just always loving learning and uh, curious about people. Um, someone who is kind of quite playful, very neurodivergent, as I discovered uh, more recently. Um, and uh, I arrived to Australia '94. It was. Uh, against my will, I say, because my parents were, um, well, it was around the war time, as you know. It was a little bit different to your story, but yeah, uh, we left in 94. I was just um, in the eighth grade, excited to kind of start a different, you know, a little bit more grown-up life in split in the school. And then they kind of blocked me out of this. So I was totally depressed for the whole year in Australia, hating on it. Um, and it was a really tough, tough adjustment for the year. Yeah. Um, now, of course, looking back all these years later, I'm like, I'm so, so, so grateful to, um, to have had that opportunity to be there, to live there, to study. Um, like there's no way I would be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that Australian experience, no way. Uh, uh, but the initial bits were really hard. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of like the rundown. Yeah. And your parents so were born in Split in Croatia? I was, yeah, yeah, I was. And then I did all my schooling here and, um, when the war situation hit, mom always wanted to leave, dad kind of didn't, um, they were in a bit of a pickle financially and I guess with, in terms of stability. So they, they were kind of like, okay, let's submit some visa applications for Italy at that time because we had friends there and Australia because we had family there. Uh, um, so I was kind of hoping like we get none of those and I just stay here. So I tried to negotiate with them. See, I was doing boundaries back then. I, well, I didn't know. I was like, oh, can I just stay here with my uncle? Cause he's happy to school me and stuff. And my cousin, my closest cousin is there and you know, I grew up with her. Um, and they were like, no, we're not leaving you. So that sucked, um, at a time. And then in October, when just after the, um, the school starts here, the new season of school starts in September. So a month later, we just got the, uh, all the visa info and off to Australia, we went and it was like this big funeral here in the house. It was like, I'll never forget. It was yeah. really full on. Yeah. So we went straight to the Gold Coast and stayed there. Honestly, and I think for a young adult, like, because I was only 11 or 12 when I came here to Australia and, you know, yeah, when you're a young adult, you're a little bit older and 14 is a, is a, is a lot different, actually, two, three years makes a big difference. It, it, it is really tricky. It is a really tricky age uh, because I feel like if you're any younger than that, you, you, you don't really know, you know, it's like you don't know what you don't know, whereas I feel like at 14, you already know stuff. And when you're a young girl, it's like you already know more than your male counterparts at that age, you know, you have very, very dense feelings, very, yeah, a lot of it takes things. And even for us, yeah. we hated it. We liked where we were in Germany. We had just adapted. We were just making friends. Like we were just starting some sort of normal life. And then it was like being plucked out of there, brought here. And, you know, it's like coming to the wild, wild west, like totally. Italy, Italy, like is somewhat of a similar place, you know, but then you come in. I was hoping for that. Yeah. Oh, you come here, you know yourself, like uh, the high school I went to with your sister was around the corner from where you live. So 
but no old buildings, no history, no nothing. It's, it is quite a huge life-changing experience, you know, and as much as you go yeah. back on it now and be grateful for that experience at the same time, it's a big culture shock. Huge. And you mentioned the old buildings, but, you know, like at first, one of the things that was really cool was, oh, look at these new buildings. It's so cool and clean and nice and all this. But then it was like, you know, after I started working at 14 and a half, it didn't take long. Uh, I was only able to put enough money together to come back when I was 19. So that was my first, yeah. first trip back. Yeah. And then I went to Split and had this super emotional experience of like, oh my God, look at this place. This is old. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And that's, that's one of those situations of like, you don't know what you've got until you don't have it or you lose it or something. Uh, and at that point I was like, whoa, I just, yeah. So I had that little light bulb moment oh, at 19. And even for your parents, it's like they did what they'd have to do to get by in that situation. Like economically, it was unstable everywhere. Even for people who hadn't seen the war, like they were experiencing it on a different level. They were experiencing it on an economical level or you know, depending on where they were living. So even if they weren't really part of it or in it, it's like it was the ripple effects of it were really large. So that's why there's such huge unity in Australia of people who had left at a similar time, you know, to start life. Yeah. And then, so, you know, obviously it was a big adjustment for you. Would you say as you were getting older, you know, like going through high school and then obviously going back to sleep, what did did that um, sort of play into effect of what you chose to study? Like how did you choose what you wanted to do? You know, was, was it always to go to university? Like, was it something, was it that sort of path, you know, that every Croatian parent wants for their kid or was it more something that you <laughs> help? Well, I mean, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't say that it was so clear um, at a time because, I mean, I did know that I wanted to go to uni because uh, I always just really liked um, uh, learning, I guess. Um, and... So, but the path wasn't so clear uh, and I started off with journalism and drama. Um, so doing that for a year was, was just awesome. But then a little bit of creation parent thing seeped through there because mom was like, what are you, what kind of job are you going to get out of this? And what are you going to do with this? You know, you're an art student. And I was studying in my course. Yeah. Go, boo. But it's like, go right. Right? Yeah. So um, so then after that, I had a few changes. I, um, I went ahead and did some HR and business and then realized that I just totally sucked at economics like, um, and was really boring. So I thought I'd just give, I'd give psychology a go. So it actually feels like it was a fluke. But now, again, looking back, I don't think there are coincidences and I think it was there all along. Um, And when I look back, um, I said to you before, I was raised with my dad's adopted parents and they were very religious. So um, going back to really, really early days, I was with my auntie. She was very churchy. I remember like with her going to church on Sundays and going, the priest is talking about the thing that they could mention. I want to be up there and I want to talk about this. And you know, like, so it's funny when you reflect that and you go, Back then I was like dissecting these things and going, I want to inspire people and I want to tell them yeah. something that this priest wasn't delivering at that time. You know, my little mind was ticking oh, in that God. direction. So it look, I must make sure you have a very interesting priest. He was more like a cowboy than what he was a priest, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I should know. So, 
on here and decided to look at the same priest because uh, really at that time there was only one Croatian priest who served like the whole Gold Coast and Brisbane area. But you're talking, you're talking about that one and I'm not going to say any names and I had interesting experiences with him, but I'm talking about way back here. Yeah. So I was a little kid, like I'm talking even these priests here. But yeah, the cowboy comment, I like that. And, but it is true, like, <laughs> but now when you look back and you have that hindsight, you know, that 2020 vision of looking back, you're like, actually everything makes sense. But at the time that you're a child, yeah. and, you know, how much, how much sort of conversation was there in your household around things that were going on and happening? And this is why we're moving. And this is like, how much healthy dialogue and conversation was there within your family dynamic? Because I know in my family dynamic, it's like, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. We're just going. And the rest, you just got to figure out along the way. So how, how did you feel like those experiences impacted you? Then when you started studying psychology, like, did you have any aha moments where you're like, whoa. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's, that's like a hundred questions in one. I don't even know where to start answering that, but dude, I'll start here. Um, when I, when I first went, when I went to my first, let's say personal development or psychology seminar, there was a person talking about responsibility. And they were saying something um, about how we are, you know, we have to take ownership about where we are in life and how we got there. And I remember being so pissed off in the audience and I was like, you have no idea. I didn't want to be here. They made me come, you know, and all this. So I was like really, really annoyed with it. Um, little did I know that that was going to be uh, one of the cornerstones of what I do uh, years and years later. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just one little story. But I, I think in terms of conversations or communication in the family, you know, you get it. Yeah. It's like your family, girls, we're doing Italy visa, Australia visa, and whatever comes through, we're going. Uh, and that's it. Like I said, I try to negotiate with them. And like, I guess at a time it started more like begging. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say with my uncle, he said he look after me. But it just didn't work. So uh, there was, yeah, there wasn't much conversation. It's a normal reaction. And and I was saying I was going to run away. Like I, I had it in my backpack. <laughs> so like, I'm going to run away. Like, with an apple and a banana. Right? I'm like, you're going to go. And I was like, I'm going to save my life. Yeah, that's the thing. It's that whole bargaining, you know, it's people of like trying to, uh, that, that's a true, you safety, like that you were just seeking. And it's tricky. And. How did you, like, how did that motivate you then obviously in your future? Like then you spent many years in Australia, so you studied and then you started working as a psychologist. And so you had, you know, let's say everything, like the job and the this and the that. So what, what, what inspires you to go back and what was missing in your lives that you felt like, you know, you couldn't get here, that you could only get in Croatia? Um, for me, it's the thing that we touched on before and it's the sense of community. Um, and this kind of living that is about interconnectedness with people and not just work. Because I found myself with years um, of work in Australia, although I absolutely love what I do, I really, really do. Um, I read a lot about it. I educate myself a lot about it. Like, I just really love it. And I try to apply it um, where, you know, wherever I can. But it was... It was just sort of sense of community that I would always feel here and a sense of home. So I don't know how to even necessarily put this into words, but I'd fly back a lot and I would come in here and my heart would be like big landing here, you know, and then I'd be leaving and all these tears would come out and I'd be like, I don't want to go. And then, you know, that to me was some sort of indication 
um, over the years or what I needed to do, you know, and then the right time happened and I just decided to make the move. So, um, yeah, but it was, it was the sense of community and the spontaneity in life. Uh, that it wasn't all about work, that there was a little bit of mess, like there's a little bit of messiness here. You know, it's not so orderly. It's a little bit impromptu uh, in some ways, as we were saying earlier. And so um, I kind of like that kind of thinking. Um, and all the creation is really traditional and very structured in certain ways or very group think. There are spaces where, it's, yeah, it's messy and it's more, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, more um, yeah. like I think more flexible. Um, to, yeah, to like move things for you and do things with. Yeah, it's just totally different. Yeah. This is what I did. Which everyone that I talked to, even in the first two episodes, I interviewed like uh, the it's called feature crew, and they have a feature and they drive it all around the world. And there are a couple, and but he's from Melbourne. You know, he's from Australia. Like he had as well migrating with him young. So you know, that's one question I asked him. I remember in the first two episodes, and I was like, "What is that inside of Abel that you can't get here?" Like, do you know what I mean? Because he moved overseas, and she was over there. So it was in a way like, "Why didn't you guys consider coming here?" You know, and then, like, so it was just interesting, and even it was hard for him to answer. It was a bit like, "Oh, yeah. this weird enigma, this weird sensation, this weird feeling." It's just that thing that's like a mythical creature thing. Like you can't describe it. There's no words for it. You just feel it when you come there. That, that's the, and how did you lost and grieve? You totally, yeah. In fact, that decision for you, because obviously your parents had been here and then your sisters and I know your older sister already moves back then, I think earlier. So how did it, how did yeah. Yeah. family affect that decision making? Well, um, I was just going to say one more thing about the my, my, uh, mystical creature that you were saying because I saw that that was a really good answer by feature because uh, it's difficult to put into words, but it is about, you know, when I would have practices in Australia like visualization and do groups and stuff, I would always somehow land up here in the hill above um, the place where my, my dad's house is. So there's something about the, you know, and even traveling to different places I feel like there's like a spirit of the place everywhere that you go uh that's how I bought my place in Australia like it's just this it's a feeling like you said so you just you just resonate with it and it's not always easy to put into words but it's a it is a creature and it kind of just takes you and you're like yes this is this is the place um apart from the good Shavapi and Burek and all that stuff all the like awesome food that you just can't quite replicate I'm already hungry and crap. I, 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 I just want to like go to the and eat my whole weight in like dough. And then I just want to go sit at the piazza somewhere in the center. Instead of getting just like yeah. all day and just people watch. Literally. So yeah. That's yeah. it. And what did I tell you before? It's a heavy rain day and the sun's like peeking through, I think, in a second. It was just, so it's like, you know, we get 300 days of um, sunshine plus all the good food. Like you've got, like, it's just, what's there not to love, you know? Oh, There's yeah. a really good blend here of work and, and rest so much more than in Australia. But to come to your question uh, about grief, um, so things, uh, my main reason for not moving here earlier, although it was calling my name way, way earlier, was because of work. And because I was fortunate enough to have had um, already a group of clients who were online with me when I was in my, uh, in my offices in Australia because they'd moved. So they stayed with me. I was like, oh, well, these people are doing online and, you know, they don't have to be. Uh, so maybe I could, 
I could do that with the rest um, and my relationship at the end of that time. And things were just kind of like nearing an end on several places. And I thought, well, this is just not really what it was anymore. And I don't want to just be doing lots of work and like what I mentioned before. So it was, uh, that's how the grief impacted the move. I was like, okay, this is time. And it was, it was a significant moment in my life. Um, and I haven't regretted it one bit. So, hundred percent. And how do you feel? Yeah. For people who don't know you, like your father passed away as well, which was obviously a huge, huge, huge life-changing event in your life. And so your mum and your sisters, it's like, how do you feel closer to your father now? Like, since you haven't moved there as well? Um, yeah, initially when dad passed, um, I like he was, he was attached to everything in Australia, you know, because we'd spend so much time there. And I often said one of the things that I thank Australia for is ironically, that's where I met my dad because I was 14, but dad worked a lot. And so, um, I didn't see a whole lot of him here. Um, but dad really wanted to be back here. That was his thing. And so, uh, and he's buried like really close by. So yeah, there's something about this place or how much he respected and loved it that does make me feel closer to him. And I can kind of pop by and, um, and I do, uh, where he's at and he's got a beautiful view up there. He's back in a different way than he expected, but you know, that's, that's what life, ha you know, life happens that way sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. So I do thank Australia for parts of that experience with my dad, but then I'm also grateful for, um, to be here. Brought you and it does actually make me, yeah, it did. It actually did. Yeah. yeah. Brought you get up, <clears throat> sorry, and you get to go back to your roots. Like you get to be with your family and like what you said, you're 90 something year old auntie who you, who you got to pull stories from. And, and that's that yeah, connection we all crave is is those stories, is those like, yeah, I'm here with my parents and I just think, well, one day when they go, um, you know, which you hate the thought of that, but it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's like when they go, that's it. It's just us, you know? And then once we go like, that's it, like that's, it's all gone, you know? But whereas if you're in that yeah. place where you were born, or at least in the same continent, you have access, yeah. you have access to the great aunts, to the, you know, fourth cousin, you have access to this random uncle or this random cousin. It just... It's actually something that you can't put a price on. So how do you feel like, you know, the, what is the biggest difference that's for you now? Like Australia, Croatia, you say obviously the mindset, the mentality, but, you know, <laughs> we just, we touched on it before, you know, the whole taking the month off in June, like not working, you know, how like starting your day later, like just the difference in work ethic and all of that. How, how did you find that for you, that shit? Like when you got there, were you just like, yep, that's it, I'm, I'm in? Like just slotting just very easily? Or was it a bit clunky? Was it a bit tricky? Um, yeah, it's all those things that you said. And I think um, uh, one of the things that happened is I, I was already thinking about this, like I was saying, for a long time. And I said to myself, I'm going to go over and I want to speak to one person, one specific person who's moved. She's an expat. Uh, and I'm going to just outside this job situation, because that's one thing that's been holding me back. Um, so I need a little bit of encouragement and then I make a decision. And so what happened is I arrived here for a holiday for about three, four weeks. And she invited me to this expats meeting. And I had about, I turned up to this dinner that was like about 
13, 14 people, I think. Um, and she said, oh, we, not everyone's met each other here, so let's introduce ourselves. So we went around the table and everyone's introduced themselves and talked about how much they love being in Croatia. And then it was my turn and, you know, I sort of like talked a little bit about, you know, why I was there. And, um, and then at the end of that, or during that dinner, one of the ladies across the table, she was like, I'm a doctor here in the hospital. Uh, here's my number. My husband is the head of the department. Yeah, if you come back, you've got to do And I was like, you know what? If, if God was trying to tell me, like, you know, if this is, the, like, I've asked for one sign, and there was, like, 101. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And then she said, I'm going back there, selling up, and I'm 100%. Like, seriously, right? It's like, I love it how someone knows someone that knows someone. It's like, I'm here, my husband does this. Like, that's it, you're in. Totally. Totally. And actually, it was so awesome. And I was like, I'm determined. I just need to talk to her over coffee. And then all of this came forward. And I was like, nah, this is, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not listening to this. That's I'm on it. I'm just going to go in. So I'm like, <laughs> online work popular before it became popular. It's like, you made <laughs> But about it, it's like you already took the lead um, before COVID. It's like you were already over there. You're already serving clients online. You're already talking to people. Like you've already migrated people to, you know, talk to you online by Skype. So then yeah. like, COVID hit, like not much had changed for you. Well, I mean, yeah, I know it was a really difficult time for everyone. And it was like, I'm, I'm feeling with that in some ways. But yeah, I do feel extremely, extremely, extremely lucky around that. Because yeah, you're right, um, and I have a I have a lot of loyal clients, people that I've known for a really long time, who pop up uh, quite regularly and say, "Hey, you know, I came in ten years ago, three years ago, five years ago, and now I've got this going on." And so they've trusted me enough and made you know, in, like helped me actually make this a reality. So uh, yeah, That's online, a- that is awesome. Um, I'm just. So I don't even have work for you. Is that actually Croatian? Like, how many? Where? How many? It's different. Like, do any come and talk to you face to face? And what has been the impression with your work, with being a psychologist in this completely different mentality, which is like normal to you, but obviously foreign to them because we know how Croatians and, you know, Europeans feel or the whole of our country. Ah, okay. Okay. So, I can see what when I, when I first, when I first arrived, I was like, I, I'm just going to, so I work with Australians online and then they kind of, uh, they're all over the world and there's other people that are not Australian, but, um, I don't actually work face to face here with like, I'm completely online, but I've had a lot of conversations with people about doing one-on-one here and I've been in and out of that story for a while. Um, and simply, like you say, it's because of the mentality that's here, that's a little bit different. Well, quite a bit different. Um, uh, but in terms of Croatian, Croatians, there's a couple in my client list, uh, but they're Estonian Croatian, like yourself. <laughs> so it's still a little bit different, you know. I don't know. It's a You know, it's like, it's a, well, I've been wrong about lots of things, including like when I first came, I thought, uh, people are not going to get what I do. And like, how do you even answer here? You know, how do you describe psychology? But I've been wrong in that I've met a lot of people and a lot of people in my life, friends, um, and loved ones who actually do get it. 
but as a general thing, yeah, people kind of go, you either have to be you know, completely. Do you meet someone? Like, you know, how they're like, oh, you know, I don't know how you guys are like, you ask me or that or whatever, because they always know you're different. And then it's like, shut be daddish or what is she? She must have been or whatever. If you say, hold like, what's the general reaction? Like, do they just think, oh, crazy people? She crazy people. They say that, and I'm like, oh, well, you, you just got the wrong idea. This is not, like, this is not what it is. And then, yeah, then there's, like, a usually a bit of moment of educating them about the fact that psychology is uh, kind of like an everyday thing. Um, of course, there's the clinical psychology and things that, that are done with people that aren't well, and that's how my career started. Uh, but what I get to do these days is, yeah, just, it's so fun. <laughs> Talk to people that are... But I, why are like you and I, like, why do, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that idea about psychology comes from? Like, why do you think they have that stance? Are you talking about Croatia or are you talking about the world? In Croatia. Uh, like here, there's a mental health day and I'm your okay day and this day and that day. And, you know, it's not, it's like, uh, it's normal to talk about mental health at where you take a day off for mental health, like wellness. Like if you were to call your job right then and say, oh, I'll leave by mental health day, if you like, you can get into work. <laughs> that mindset comes from? I honestly think that um, people, people have had a really hard time here. And this area that we're, we're from, uh, they've seen a lot of um, uh, war and corruption and difficulties and they've had a lot of struggles and I think that sometimes bonds people and makes them more resilient um, and they just learn to cope like you were saying before about your refugee experiences and that um, and so uh, of course there are there are things that impact you underneath all of that as you know and that they can come out years later the trauma that you've gone through and the difficulties and all the rest of it but in the um, on the let's say at least the surface level, or you know, depending on on resilience of people, sometimes people are more resilient than others. Um, uh, they just kind of learn to know about resilience, like even just that episode. Like honestly, mm -hmm. really self, because it's like why some people are, why some people are not, and yeah, and they've seen a lot, like you said. So it just becomes normal, right? To a degree, and that's sort of the sad part about it because we, you don't want traumatic and awful things to become normal. So that's that other side of things. But uh, as I was saying, like with the resilience of it, people just sort of get on with it in some kind of way. And maybe the, you know, relying on each other and having that social support uh, is a real buffer. But also the thing that you touched on earlier, which is education. And I don't think that here we've got quite enough education. Um, uh, out there about mental health. It's like we've got billboards yet making it normal uh, uh, or, you know, celebrities talking about their postnatal depression and so on. And in Australia, and, and psychology is quite new overall as a field. Um, so Australia's caught on with that um, in the last few decades, but that's not kind of where Croatia's at. So I think that, that plays a big part in it because the more normalised it becomes, yeah, well, look what happened over there, you know, 24 years ago. What happened here 24 years ago? You know what I mean? It's like when you, on an economical level, on an educational level, it all matters because if you're watching TV and if you're seeing signage or, you know, you're watching, yeah, yeah it's like it's, if it's not there, it's not there. So it's not normal. It's not, you know, 
So then exactly. you, it's like a fish out of water, really. It's, it's tricky. Like you said, it's, it's multifactual. It's not just one thing. It really is. Yeah. It really is multifaceted. And then also sometimes I think uh, there may be religious things playing to that, which is, you know, um, unintentionally probably just invalidating, like just pray about it. But, you know, and that's great, but it's like there's this other part to yeah. where that okay. isn't acknowledged. Like, well, we will pray, pray your worries away, which... Look, it all has uh, its significance. It really does. Yeah. Because I value, you know, my, my grandmother's prayer and how much I felt protected when she was here and in her doing that. Also, the power of prayer, like now as a parent as well, his trainful things for me as well. So you, you all have the place, all of it. Um, but why do you think, you know, boundaries and trauma and all that, why has it become such buzzwords? What do you think has changed? Like, why do you think hmm. such a massive snow on effect? Like, now that this whole thing about, you see it everywhere, you know, holistic psychology. Yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere. It's like, what is psychology is becoming now this mainstream norm, which is great because you want people to access these services. But at the same time, it's like people are becoming reliant on these services. And then like, like I said to you before, you know, oh, if my psychologist moves away, like it's, you know, it's going to be hard for me to cope. So isn't the whole point to use these services, learn something, get the tools and then access them as you need, not as an actual, I can't live without this, you know? So yeah. Yeah here like boundaries has become such a buzzword why do you think that it's coming out like that well i think boundaries and all these things have been buzzwords in psychology circles you know forever uh but as we were saying before with with these with mental health becoming more accessible with it being promoted uh that's how in australia it's it's come to surface and i think you know don't forget that australia is a first world country so when your primary needs are met uh, meaning, you know, your shelter, your food, uh, you know, then you, you want to go and do more things. You want to like, um, attend to your higher order needs, so to speak. Right. So with that, we can go sometimes too far and kind of take it too far and not know where the limits are with that. So maybe that's a part of that process. Whereas let's say in Croatia, you know, when I first arrived and started to talk about some movements that were going on in Australia, people were like, uh, we don't know nothing about that because like we don't have heating or, you know, or there are people here in social services that don't know how to, like they've got this many kids and they can't feed them. And there's a lot of, um, uh, actions that people take, uh, on, on TV and radio here. And they'll say like, this family needs this or, and on Facebook and stuff, this family needs this, they need clothes, they need that. And people here are quite active with that in my experience. So, um, I think it's the first, it's the first things first yeah. kind of scenario. Yeah. I really do think that. 100%. Yeah. Now, like, you know, boundaries, I mean, that's such a, such a loaded topic. Like, honestly, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is about it. Like, days. It's because when I'm like, ah, boundaries are fucking, like, it was just like actually annoying me just he, he seeing it in every way. I'm like, hang on, what? Don't contribute. Am I not setting healthy enough? Branches on side side. Like, wiry process, you know? Because coming from, you know, like, obviously culture affects us so much into who we become and who we are and how we navigate the world. Where, you know, coming from our culture, it's like, you know, the good girl, the, you know, pleasing the parents, or like you said, paying bills at 40, going to social services, basically like, you know, not your average upbringing, I guess you could say. Whatever. It's like, how does one begin to... There's people out there who don't even know how to set a boundary. They don't even know what a boundary is. They don't even know 
like, I had to say no. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I was fucking 30 years old, just like my baby, and I was just learning how to say no. Totally. That's years. Totally. Like, and probably people out there, yeah. 40, 50, 60, who are just laying to saying, no, sorry, I can't make it or whatever, because yeah. I was always explaining myself away. I never wanted to upset anybody. I never wanted to disappoint anyone because the whole culture was entrenched, keeping everybody happy. Yeah. yeah. If someone asks you to do something, you never say no. You always say yes. Like, and that's something my dad was always like, you always help, you always this, you always that. But it was no limits. There was no limits. It was always like taking away from who I was in my family. You know what I mean? There was no limits. Yeah. It's like, yes, it's great to do that and be that. So how does one begin to start that self-inquiry? How does one even begin to know that they have a boundary or no boundaries at all? Oh, well, uh, you touched on it because you, you talked about the thing, um, around people pleasing. And I think, uh, the social animals that we are, uh, we, again, we want to be a part of the group. It's difficult to be, uh, not in a group and to stand alone. Uh, so people pleasing is normal. We all have it to a degree, right? I think when it starts to, when you start to notice, um, uh, repeat cycles of like feelings like resentment or, um, uh, you know, or your body, like we were saying before, speaks to you and you're having a reaction, uh, they are kind of, that's already like a step 10. So, so then you work your way down and go, okay, how can I not get to that level? How can I start inquiring a little bit earlier about why this happened and who crossed the boundary? Did I cross it? Did someone else cross it? How does my body know? Uh, what are some indicators that I have that are showing me that something isn't quite right? And who does it belong to? And then, then practice of how do I actually say it? Can I practice saying it? What words do I use? Uh, what do I do when the person doesn't um, take to it the way that I would like them to? So there's a whole heap of um, steps or uh, to the process, I guess. But the first thing that I would say is, um, yeah, understanding that this is normal to uh, to all of us. It's a part of us being social animals. We don't, we don't get taught this anywhere. So it's like, where the hell are you supposed to learn it, right? Like we don't, we don't get taught at uni. We don't get taught at school. Most of us don't have parents who teach us that with their behavior. So you're kind of like on your own. So it's not surprising that at 30 you're going, oh, what the hell are boundaries? I just know that I'm pissed off with that person. I don't know why. Um, or with myself. Uh, so yeah, you kind of, I think a lot of the time you go backwards because you stepped into it and you're like, oh. It's already too far gone. How do I? So like life shows you, like it's not until yeah, like yeah. you're like an infant and you're like, oh, actually I'm coming better. But it's like, it's things that happen later on in life to you where there's some sort of challenge, where there's some sort of issue, um, or maybe a friend or I don't know, something has evoked something within you that's making you feel uneasy or just not right. Or yeah, yeah you end up in a fight with someone and then you're like, oh, yeah. great up or a bad relationship. And then you sort of yeah. like, questions, how did I get here? Why did I like this yeah. in like this? And then exactly. it's through learning, through life experience. But yeah, what, you know, okay, so how do you, uh, how do you. And modeling. Sorry, and I was going to say, and modeling as well, because like if you are fortunate enough to have anyone in your life who actually um, is quite, um, uh, who's boundaried and even if you don't know the word, but you can see that they respect their space and they have, uh, they have, um, I guess like an aura about them. 
if you inquire a little bit more and dissect it, you're probably going to get to the word boundary. And so this person's confident, they're authentic. I like something about them. What is it? And I, I assure you come to the boundary part at some point. Some people just so like, well, like, my yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so, she's so good at asking for what she wants and she gets it. And to me, I was like, how the hell do you do that? What I can do that. Play a school like be in action. And I'm just watching her. And then having her as an experience in my life, like she was like, no, you kind of like ask for this, like do this, say that, say no. Like so many times I'd get invited and I would never be able to say no. I was everywhere. And I think from the ages of 20 to 30, you just think you're invincible. You just think you have endless amount of energy. And it's like, no, it's like it's a tank and it's only just only going to get you so far. But you mean you've got three jobs, yep, I'm attending all the events, I'm studying, I'm going out, I'm, I'm you know, whatever. But in the news, yeah. I realize you're actually burning out. And it's not until you hit rock bottom where you hit a wall that you're like, well, I can't live like this anymore, you know? So mm-hmm. then obviously start to look at your environment and everything. And for us, even my parents, I mean, boundaries. I mean, my dad would mm-hmm. say to my mom, oh, I can smell cake or something, you know, that he liked the shit, the shits, and be like, gosh, that's that deep peach, I should, like, whatever. It's because she's doing it, you know what I mean? So all I ever saw was compliance. All I ever saw was, oh, yeah, I temporarily cracked the shits, but then I still go off and do it. So then that's what's being modeled in front of me. So then naturally I'm in relationships where, yeah, our little son says, mom, are you a yes man or a no man? He's four. He goes, daddy? daddy? And he's like, God, he knows me. And he goes, sweet mommy, you're a And I was like, wow. Even at four years of age, he's learning who's a yes man and who's a no man. And it's totally for him. So, But it's really not that strange. Like when you say, if you don't school, but I mean, when you're a kid, um, you don't have the vocabulary for this, but you do notice, and we all do this, um, you go to one parent and you go, can I do this? They go, no. Okay, I'm going to go to the other parent. Can I do this? Yes. So there it is. You're, you're testing it. So the, the, the concept is there, even if we don't have the words or the explanation behind it yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's say one has come um, to the fruition of, holy shit, I've been... Too generous, I've been too this, I've been too that, life's not clear around, I'm having realizations and I need to start, you know, asking myself some questions. So where does one begin with starting to better assert themselves and better sort of project their energy? How, how do we do that? Like, what would that be mm. like? Okay. Yes. So, um, so a good place to start is to check in, I think body often talks to us in ways that we don't always um, listen. I certainly had that happen. That's how my, one of my boundary journeys started. And I say why not? Because sometimes life repeats cycles to you till you get it. And I'm sometimes a slow learner. So it's like, you know, here we go again. Oh, are you going to listen now? Are you going to listen now? Oh, here's another one. All right? So I think bodies are really good start. And some of us feel things more deeply than others. Um, or, or can resonate uh, with that uh, better. So noticing any kind of uh, discomforts or something, you know, someone being too close to you, uh, standing too close to you. Or, you know, so it's in little, in little moments, it could be a particular person that causes a certain reaction. Um, so body can give us a lot of that information. Thoughts as well. Uh, I just mentioned a visual, so seeing a person and having a reaction. So just giving yourself a moment and some space and asking yourself, um, where have I crossed the line there? 
Have I spoken to them about what it is that I need? Have I communicated to myself what it is that I need? Is it clear for me what's going on there? I mean, certainly this is where psychology uh, can help and there's books out there on this and, you know, to walk you through the process. But I think just giving yourself some space and pausing and allowing your body and your mind, your life basically to speak to you. Um, so if you've got somebody um, kind of asking something of you all the time, that could be an indication, okay, it's the person. Um, if it's a particular feeling, then, you know, you start there. It's different and for everyone. Because you think like, you know, can in a ways because you're like, this is the dynamic between me and this person um, that we've played these roles. And now I'm going to be changing that by saying no, or by saying I'm not available or I'm not going to do this. I know. And how does one, it's hard then to accept the reality that this will change. This might change the relationship for either better or for worse. For better, awesome, great, like beautiful. That's a healthy relationship. But it's scary for people that this might be the end of also a relationship. So I've burned a lot of relationships because of this um, consciously and I've moved on, but it's, uh, it feels like a lot of losses. Do you know, when I was born, it was like I was changing. My boundaries were changing. I was no longer that available person, that available friend, that person that would do this for free and that for free, you know, and that started to change and then my friendships started to change and a whole lot were dropped off because of that. So mm-hmm. it's one sort of, I guess, you know, deal with Trip that. But yeah. greedy people that are still there, you know, but yeah, you're like, and also potentially family members are just huge because oh we, my gosh, us Europeans like, you know, our family and thrive with that family. So then all of a sudden you've got situations where, you know, you're no longer talking to an auntie, you're no longer talking to a cousin because uh, they've crossed the boundary that you've asserted. So where does one? Oh my gosh. And the yeah. question is like raising over things, but how does that look like in your practice when people come to you with this? Well, this is, yeah, you're right. This is a massive thing. And I feel like just this question alone could like really dissecting it could go on forever. Just answering this, but if I can glaze and summarize, it's, um, it's something to do with, I, I would say something to do with the honest with yourself. Um, and recognizing that this will cost me. Like everything in life will cost you something. There is no action or decision that you make that will be free. Yeah. So anytime you decide to do nothing, you've still decided. Or you decide to do something, you've decided to give up, you know, a certain thing. There's a cost attached to everything. So if you're honest um, with yourself, that's a good starting point. Honest that, you know, this person is really crossing that line and it's now starting to impact my mental health. Uh, with, with being honest, you're also expecting a change. Mm-hmm. Of course, if I related to you in this particular way where I was giving you free things all the time and now I'm going to say, Ivana, actually, I can't do that more free or I won't do that anymore. There's going to be a, a thing where some, you feel like something's been taken away from you yeah. and a lot of people take that personally. So expecting that change and being honest around that, but that's a tough thing to hear for all of us. Um, uh, they're good starting points. Yeah. Uh, and understanding that, you know, it's tough for the people, just like it's tough for us to hear a no. So maybe making some space to hear other people's no's and to be respectful of that and not to take it personally. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's some, like there's I, some tips. I want to reach out to you so many times when my dogs died and, 
I was having a hard time and I'm like, dog people understand, right? Uh, well, and yeah, understand really, because loss, loss doesn't matter what, uh, can be a house, a person, animals, whatever. But, exactly. you know, when it all happened, I remember I was, you know, it was somewhat very, very, I, you know, can't stipulate this interest, you know, it's real life. It was mm. a like, I was reaching out to this person, you know, from a vulnerable place and then this person, you know, that I've done a lot for, from my own, from my own doing, do you know, I acknowledge that, you know, basically saying, oh, you're too sad for me at the moment. So you're going to be bringing down my energy, you know, if I engage with you, if I come over, which, you know, I actually was just like totally okay. I was still living, still doing life. It was just more like, hey, like I'd love it, you know, we could have a cup of tea, whatever, you know, just because like, I've done this for you and it's like, hang on, like, Part of being friends, a part of being family is also having duties. It's like when you start a job, you have duties in that job, you know? Yeah. Like it's not, yeah, yeah like you do because you love that person, but at the same time, it's also like our relationships are filled with duties also. And I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, is fucking having a cup of coffee expecting too much? You know, this person's basically going, uh-uh, like your energy feels too low for me, your frequency, of this, you're going to be dragging me down. Because you're sad. Yeah. And it's actually just yeah. a disappointment because you realize in that moment, you're yeah. not a hammer-punt person, you know, and it's very hard, but that person's still around in your life. They're always going to be around because you can't change that. You're, you're tired. Yeah. I, yeah. So that's, that's that hard part, you know, moving on. That's a really, that's, a, huge, oh. that's a really, really hard part because I get your point and you're sort of like, you know, I'm connected to you and I want to talk to you and I want you there for this. And like, it makes sense. Um, the other person, yeah, the other person saying, I have no capacity for it. Um, so coming back to that honesty thing is like, sometimes we want people to be something for us that they can't be. Yeah. And so a part of that honesty and expecting that there'll be a change and accepting that, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, I often sort of say, it's like, you're not fighting with reality. Like that's where they're at. And, you know, I've had to do this in some really close relationships and say, oh, I really want this from them, but they're able to just give me this. And I'm like, this is really bloody valuable. Can I, because this person is important in this case, can I take this and say, this is brilliant and I value it so much and I'm never going to get this other thing. So I'm going to value the thing that I have. Um, and you do that with certain people that you think, it's worth doing that with. And then others, you might say, like you said, look, this is not my person. So that's such a nuance. It's so difficult to well, kind of speak generalized because, you know, there's so much context around all of that. And also, um, when a lot of people who are in my life who say, oh, you know, I've, I hang on to relationships for too long, you know, more yes. than what I should. And then for me personally, I do too, but I burn very quickly. Like I'm very like, nah. Like done. So I've noticed that's like a thing within me that I have to work on, um, mainly because I've always come from the point, like the standpoint is like, oh, I give so much because I want to, because I love this person and that's fine. If they give me 10%, that's fine. That's their capacity, right? But yeah. then, and there reaches a point in your life where, you know, you get in a bind, you're in a pickle or you're going through a tough time and you think, fuck, you're turning your around, you're like, who's there for me? And then the proof is in the pudding, you know? And I'm just seeing, being there for someone that you love is not a huge ask. Yeah, because there's been moments in my life where I've not had the capacity and that's where I'm not on a known boundary, but I've realized that's okay. This is part of being a good friend. This is part of being that good girl, right? So that's where that conditioning is so hard and so deep because yeah. just like, well, my sister needs me. Well, my best friend needs me. You know, she's just had a crisis. Like, I'm going to go. 
And this is where like the burnout is so, yeah. they start not honoring our boundaries. How does it show up in our bodies? Like what have you seen? Well, uh, it's different for everyone. And I, my theory around that is that, or my opinion around this in, in, in evidence that I've watched over the years is that it comes up for people, um, in an area that's weak for them, you know? So if people have weak stomachs, maybe that's where it shows up. Um, I personally had like a hugely allergic reaction without symptoms and you know, it took that for me to listen because I wouldn't listen before. I was like, I'm good. Yeah, let's keep going. Um, I'm good. What do you mean? And you're blistering, right? Like in big red welts. And then I was like, well, you're working a little bit too much. Nope. I'm good. I've got the capacity. I've got the energy, right? You double down and you're given more because your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, for it's different for people and I, I just can't emphasize enough that whole concept of honesty with yourself, the reaction that you have when you're alone with you, what's your body saying? And, you know, like what we were saying before about the energy of the place, you walk into a space and you're like, oh my gosh, this feels like healing or other places feel like a drag. So just spend a little bit of time and get curious about why. Uh, maybe you can, or maybe even talk into a friend that you trust or somebody in the family and just, you know, venting this out so you can, or journaling, so you can get clear with your thoughts around what's actually going on for me, getting to the bottom of what's actually going on. That's what we do in sessions, for instance, you know, like get curious about the reaction the person's having, like, uh, because burnout shows up differently for everyone. Um, and I think the idea is to get more in tune so that we don't have to get to a point where we're you know, incapacitated. Yeah, I know you with something. Like, he's so happy. He's just bringing me a coffee. Hey, Jake. How's it going? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to have to take the chest. Hashtag, keeping it really up. We're going to be honest. Holy shit. It's so European just to be like, I'll get 11.30 at night, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's life, right? I think it's the lifestyle also dictate. I mean, it's hard because it's like we dictate the lifestyle leave, but then also where really dictates how we act. It so does. Yeah. So then it's tricky because how can you have these realizations or these breakthroughs or these, you know, or accepting what it, like if you're not, if your nervous system is not calm, you know, if you are not calm, if you're not slowing down, you're not noticing any of, yeah, that's where you're going to end up like, yeah, like yeah. body or you're going to end up in a car crash. You're going to end up in some sort of situation that's going to make you wake up to things that you've been avoiding. So how does psychology for you, like what things can you sort of, what tools can you give to people to sort of help overcome some of that? Obviously they've come to you, they've acknowledged that in health. And then sort of how do they begin with that journey? Like what sort of tools can they garner to sort of move forward with you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is very different for everyone. So it just, I just kind of go with the story, you know, I, I have very unstructured sessions in that sense. At the end of the first session, there's always goals and, and that's what we measure everything against. But the actual structure of the session is that the people talk about what's going on for them. And we just work with the information that's present, if that makes sense. No, that's um, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, if they, if they say, this is what's going on and I'm in a grand, like I'm burning out. Like I might ask them, what, what is it that you want? Or just listening to people's signals. Like I just finished with a client who was saying um, that they want to, they feel like they want to end the friendship. 
And all the signals they were giving me in the, in the session were that because the situation has become just one-sided. Uh, so when the signals are in the field and, and, you know, I write a lot when I talk to people, then I'm like, well, look at this, 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 this. There's like five situations you've just given me where you're, you know, you even said your gut is telling you this. So it's kind of like a process of helping people get closer to themselves and their own experience so that can unfold into the next step. Because, I mean, what the hell do I know what the next step is? It's just different for everyone, you know? And the strategy that I ask them to implement really is varied on what the experience we've just unfolded. Um, yeah. And I love that you work holistically or in that way where it's open for interpretation and you're just following with that rather than it being this like structured thing of, you know, you sell this out and then, and that's the hard part. I think with mental health, especially here, it's like, okay, it's, you can access it in a much better way. So what we talked about the healthcare system, you know, in, in Croatia, <laughs> Europe, and then you've got the healthcare system here and it just looks yeah. fancier here and it functions maybe a bit more smoother, but then at the same time trying to access it is actually really difficult. And then when you do access it, it does still cost you. There is still a gap regardless. You know, it's sort of, if, it, if it is completely for free, like it, it's shocking sometimes the people you get, you know, and, and look, they're probably burnt out in their own way as well. So it is hard like to find that right person. So yeah, it is difficult yeah. to get discouraged, you know, because they've made the first step, they've asked for help, they've gone on and then, they're, oh, yeah. I, really, yeah. I could have figured this out by myself. Like, yeah, yeah. And what sort of advice do you have to people who are, who are looking for? I mean, my advice would be just look Luciana, but you know, just, <laughs> you know, thank you. Yeah, there is. We've talked about this, you know, especially in Croatia, like healthcare services. You know, how, how the hell do you even access it? How do you even get the help? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, thanks for your sweet comment, but you know, like I, I, I wouldn't be right for everyone either. So, um, and and I think that's a part of it. So. It's, it's about allowing yourself to have the experience. So if you go in for that one session and you're speaking to the person and the feedback that you're getting. So again, listening to your body, listening to your gut, uh, listening to whether paying attention to the body language and how the person's receiving your information, all of that is important. So if you feel like they haven't heard you or they're not really connected, uh, you get to decide, do I give this another go or another two goes? Or do I look for someone else? Um, for me, I take I take seriously what I do, and I do love it. And uh, for that reason, a part of that reason is why I sought my own therapy years ago. And so I've got mentorship, and I've got my own personal therapy. And I think um, for me, choosing this person was exactly that. Um, so walking in and knowing what I wanted to achieve. And this person really kind of being there and me noticing the presence and the ability for me to be free and honest with them. So they, they're going to encourage me with what I do well, but they're going to call me on my bullshit. And that's what I was looking for, you know? Um, so you feel that and you notice that. And if you're not getting that, then allow yourself to move on and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, all psychologists, you yeah. know, uh, I know what can help me, but it's that finding the right person it's kind of like with friendship and with relationships you're looking for the right people right so that was the episode i hope that you really enjoyed it and as ever if you did please consider sharing it with your loved ones and leaving me a review on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from it really does make a difference to the number of Balkan sisters 
that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom that my guests and I share. Thanks for being here. Idobijenia! <laughs>